0: We'll see, I I think people are gonna like where this goes. Um, John and I are having just a great time making it. I mean, completely honestly, he and I are just having a lot of fun making this show. It's something we enjoy to do. We show up to set every day and just, you know, we're here in these Star Wars worlds with Star Wars things going on and we couldn't be happier. So it's a lot of work, but it's, it's very rewarding as you've seen. second season, I was taken aback in a really good way at um, at how impressive the first episode read and already with the evidence of the first season, knowing that they were able to achieve everything that they set out to and and, and seeing this incredibly ostentatious first episode with um, the story of an action sequence and the way that it read on the page and just that feeling that my my gosh, they're 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 going to achieve this visual experience. Like this isn't just um, let's just describe it as best as we can and see what we end up achieving with it. It it, it is you know undoubtedly going to be achieved, and and I kind of couldn't believe that, and I understood oh so this is how they this is how they keep it up with the second season. No disintegration, as you wish. Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. All of this because of one helmeted bounty hunter. Researchers, school teachers on moss pelgo welcome to episode number 242 of blast points is jason and it's gabe 242 in honor of season two of mandalorian are you still are we still breathing (laughs) i don't wait so we might be extra loopy this episode because we've been up since about 5 a.m today so I don't think it was getting up early that's made us loopy, though. I think there was something else that happened today. Yeah. Yeah, something. <laughs> something just rattled our cages a little bit, scramb- scrambled our brains a little bit. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, it was a magical five in the morning, though. It was literally, it's like we have Christmas eight weeks in a row with The Mandalorian. Season two has begun. Here we are. It's unbelievable that. This exists. This happened today. Before we start getting into the the nitty gritty, Gabe, what are your overall thoughts of The Mandalorian Chapter 9, The Marshal? Mandalorian is back. It never left. It's been in my heart this whole time. Uh, This episode was crazy in all the right ways. It was fun to see Favreau get a chance to direct, and I feel like, this was like Favreau's season one victory lap episode, and it was almost a season one recap episode or like a greatest hits where it was like he didn't get to have fun last time directing. So he's like, well, I'm going to do an episode and I'm going to take all my favorite parts from season one and I'm going to do them bigger and huger and crazier and more ridiculous than the last time. So as a starting to the season, I I don't know, it was perfect. It's like it was like capping off season 1 while giving us just enough of a tease of what season 2 is going to bring. Did the style of chapter 9 did it feel more cinematic to you at all? I feel like the like establishing shots were much more like what I would see and a theatrical movie maybe like whenever the speeder bike so we're just going across the desert or the the spaceship shots kind of stuff seemed bigger and more beautiful than last season but i liked that when it got down to like just people talking and stuff that it started to it still felt like season 1 where they're it, it's like live action animation or something i don't know what did you think did you think it felt different yeah, I felt somehow there was like a more epic scope to this. Maybe it was my anticipation or my excitement level watching it, but and not that season one didn't. There was, yeah, maybe it was like some of those establishing shots. It, it just it felt like it was on a, a grander scale, which is funny because it was still like also in the tradition of season one, kind of just using a small amount of locations and stats. We didn't really yeah go to any outrageous grand sweeping locations or anything it was kind of like it's Tatooine again and graffiti world yeah there was just something a little bit more epic about this one i feel like and it that whole thing is really kind of like a metaphor for this episode overall because like on one hand you could say that well, well this episode didn't really move the story of mando and the child forward it was kind of a side story almost but on the surface level it can appear that way but also they slayed a dragon like (laughs) yeah there's a lot of symbolism going on in here and it's only the first episode of this of this second story in this mandalorian saga now we're getting and yeah it's kind of epic but in a small epic kind of way it's really kind of genius in a way that like i think as we get more and more episodes into this season it'll become more and more clear but you know it's like you can you know like favreau on the chef show he's he's like he he's in the kitchen and you can smell it cooking from like outside (laughs) and you're like oh man if that tastes as good as it smells, and like this first episode is like the amazing smell where sometimes the smell is more exciting than the taste, yeah, well, this was like this is like a chef's course meal where you like you don't order, and the chef just gives you a bunch of entrees that he thinks you're gonna like because it really was like it it started out with the, almost the same kind of start as episode one with Mando just showing up in a in a shady town, tracking down some information, but instead of being this like backwater ice planet it was like a gamorian wrestling fight you know and then we go into episode two of the first season with the all jawa nonsense and now we get all sand people nonsense and we get instead of like a tiny cave with a little rhinoceros in it we have the world's biggest cave with a dragon in it we got the jetpack action from episode three we got the villagers fighting off Working together to fight off a monster from episode four, we got the Tatooine desert fun of episode five. It really was like, let's take all these cool parts from the previous season and, and make them even bigger and better. It's like when uh, you go to a fancy restaurant and it's a cheeseburger, but instead of a cheeseburger, it's like some kind of fancy cheeseburger with like sauce on it or something. (laughs) That's kind of what this episode was. He, like, even with the character development, like, uh, when we get into the nitty gritty of the episode, we'll go over it more, but even something as small as uh, Amy Sedaris being back, which, bless, so happy she was back, but how, with the pit droids, and Bill, she was like, oh, he doesn't like droids, and he's just like, oh, it's fine, you know, the, the crest needs a sweep. It's like, yes, because he's grown, because of IG, IG-11, Right, and she expects him to leave the baby and he's like, "No. The baby's coming with me. <laughs> We're never apart now." There's no hesitation. This is my buddy. Yeah, which I really appreciated all that stuff. Yeah. Well, it is. It's the it's the it's it's like the end of season 1 was pretty intense, and this was almost like an epilogue or something to season 1 where it's like, "Okay, the heavy stuff is over. Let's just have fun with Mando." with season one Mando, the end of season one Mando, let's have some fun with him before things start to get crazy for season two, before we find out at the end that, you know, this simple trip to Tatooine to get some old armor is maybe a little bit more serious than that. Now that we see who's, who's watching him. Which, yeah, that brings us to our our big topic before we get started. Let's just get it out of the way right now. Let's talk about it. The elephant in the room, Boba Fett. C- can you even believe? Like, can you, like, like, it's, it, you know, and it's, it's a bummer. I, it's like looking back now, it's a bummer that it, like it was pr- pretty widely rumored. And again, like even I think in the Entertainment Weekly article, because it would have been like a, a Baby Yoda level surprise for the end of the episode. And maybe that was the original intention. But still, it's still mind-warping. Just absolutely insane. No, it is. And that's what I was going to say. It's like I still – it's hard to believe that they really went there and it really happened. But it's like we were talking about before. It's like they're doing all this crazy stuff, but it's the crazy stuff that makes sense. It's not crazy stuff out of left field. It's like, well, he's on Tatooine. He's looking for Mandalorians. Boba Fett's armor is probably out there and – well, why not have him run into Boba Fett? It makes total sense. It's just sometimes the things that you think make sense don't happen. And it just, you're so used to it not happening that maybe that's why we think it's so crazy, but it's not really that crazy, but it feels so crazy. Cause yeah, it's Tamora Morrison. He's back in star Wars and he looks like old, bald, grumpy living in the desert Boba Fett. And it's kind of amazing. It's it's like almost 40 years. Of people saying, I I think Boba Fett survived. I think he crawled all the time. I don't know how many Denny's I was at in the 90s where somebody was explaining to me their theory on why Boba Fett survived. And I'm being like some snobby jerk being like, he didn't. He died. That's what George Lucas says. And it's like, well, no, he didn't. Boba Fett's alive and well. There he is on Tatooine. We just saw him just hours ago standing on on a cliff in Tatooine. Like we've said over, we're we're not Boba Fett people. Or you know, there's Bob, there's Boba Fett people out there. We've talked about this before. We've got nothing against Boba Fett, but we're not Boba Fett people. But I swear, when he's on the side of that mountain looking down at Mando riding by on a little speeder bike, I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm- it's like where did this come from? Why am I so excited about Boba Fett? I've never been this excited about Boba Fett, but now it's like all I'm thinking about is Boba Fett, and that's. The genius or the the meanness of Dave Filoni, I think, of basically him and Favreau teaming up to get you to be super pumped about characters that you maybe weren't even that into before. It's almost like Thrawn coming back. It was like, yeah, whatever, Thrawn. And then he comes back in Rebels and it's like, oh, I'm kind of into this now. And now <laughs> like, give me more Thrawn stuff. And now here's Boba Fett. Yeah. But again, it's Tamar Morrison. It's like Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith come back to life so you gotta love that and then also and we've talked about it a million times like what better character for mandalorian for dinjarin the new mandalorian character to run into than the original mandalorian like it doesn't get any better than that when he turned around and was walking off like it really hit me right in the gut of like oh my god it's the face of Django, and the face of Django is also his son, and it's Boba Fett, and it's it's like Han Solo. Like it's real, all of it, it's all it's all true. Well, and I think with the Boba stuff, it's perfect too because I could see some people were you know oh we're back at Tatooine again blah 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 I want something new blah 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 whatever I could have seen other shows drawing this out till like the middle of the season or something where. Mandalorian was like, you know what? We're just going to go back to Tatooine and we're going to get that out of the way. (laughs) And then we're going to move on to new stuff. Like, he had to go back to get the armor and to cross paths with Boba Fett, and it's done. And now we're moving forward into new stuff. Good luck waiting another week (laughs) to see what happens next when you have zero clue. And, yeah, we just showed you Boba Fett is alive, and he's got his eye on Din and the child and Boba Fett is surviving in the desert of Tatooine. He, at some point he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit or like they say, like the Sarlacc that the, the dragon came out of is dead. Is it dead because Boba Fett killed it? Maybe we'll find out. I don't know. It's an outrageous, audacious, some other word that ends in us. I don't know. (laughs) It's, it's all the us's outrageous. Yeah. He's got scars on his face. He's got a gaffy stick and a big old rifle. He's wearing robes. We don't know what's under those robes. Does he have cool new armor? Is he naked under there? Like, who knows? And there's a lot of debate too, of people saying like, well, is this the same character that with the spurs from the end of chapter five last year? And I still say, yes, it is because those spurs it's, that was telegraphing who that was. And I think, Fennec was definitely going to meet Boba Fett. I mean, they're they're both bounty hunters. If the like, I think we said this in our episodes last year. If the word is out that Boba Fett is alive and he's on Tatooine, some other bounty hunters are going to be like, "Well, I'm going to team up with that guy because he's the legend." Yeah. Well, and for all we know, I can't remember his name. Uh, Cyclops guy at the beginning. Maybe he got his information about Mando's on Tatooine from Fennec. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, with all the the crime, the crime peeps all know each other. Uh, But, you know, what was funny, and I didn't catch this till the second time watching it. They were going hard with the the Spurs teases a little bit, because did you catch Mando had the Spurs when he was in uh, the bar? They gave Mando the Spurs when he walked in? No, I didn't. I don't know if they did it for I don't think they did it for Cobb. But when Mando first walks into the bar. He's got the Spur sound, which I think that's more just that he's a Mandalorian and it's the whole Western thing. But it did kind of almost make me think, oh, maybe they're, the Spurs didn't really mean it was Boba Fett because now Mando has Spurs. But then by the end of the episode, it's like, no, it's, it's Boba Fett. <laughs> Say we, we start digging in to The Marshall, written and directed by Jon Favreau. First of all, we get the, the recap in the beginning, which is a lot of fun. And I was, I don't know about you, but I was really happy that the, the helmets, the light flashing against the, the different helmets was back. I was worried that wasn't coming back. And, and it is a good sign of how much I just loved season one that I, every time I watch the episode now, I still watch the recap just to get to see some tidbits from season 1 again. So yeah, the first thing we see is what Mando and the child uh walking out of the darkness. were on uh Graffiti Planet, which similar to season 1, they don't even it doesn't even matter what planet it is. They don't even tell you. You know, it doesn't who cares. <laughs> it's Graffiti Planet, that's all we need to know. <laughs> it's the planet who cares. It's spelled all crazy in Star Wars way. We'll never know. There's a when they're walking through the, the town. There's a bunch of creatures with glowing eyes looking at like Yoda baby. Mando gets to the door of the the fight club, and he's saying he's looking for Gore Koresh And there's the Twilight guy working the door with the deepest Twilight voice ever. I <laughs> am loving so much all the like male Twileks that Mando has. I mean, I guess we just had the two, but they're just like rough and gruff. Guys, it's just, I don't know. I've been having fun with them. They're not like, uh, I guess we're just not used to We're used to seeing all the lady Twilights, but it's like, they're just tough guys. <laughs> Enjoy the fights. <laughs> yeah, make all, They all look like they just smelled farts, too. Just mad faces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one thing right away in the morning. You saw that Twilight like with the super deep voice, and I was like, okay. Woo. That's how we're playing this morning. All right. They go in and there's the two Gamorreans and they're duking it out. And when they walk in, Ludwig's score is just crazy. That's probably the the hottest score moment of the whole episode is just the the Gamorrean fight music. And I was happy that later on in the in the action scene in there that we he brings back the the like guitar, the Mando guitar song. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want to see, like, Ludwig in the episode, just, like, with with a space guitar. (laughs) Like, a picture in a picture, and it's just him, like, jamming along to the episode. Oh Yeah, one day, Disney Plus just do, yeah, like, an enhanced version, which is Ludwig playing guitar to the episode. And he's, like, maybe doing that thing, like, where people play guitar to, like, people talking. Like, like the Orson Welles commercial or something. (laughs) Well, the Cyclops guy, that was John Leguizamo, right? I Yeah, I guess so. Which, I mean, that's what it said, but his voice was like unrecognizable, which is crazy that either he's, I don't know, did he do like this really deep, very different voice or did they, did the uh, audio wizards like process his voice to sound like an alien? I was shocked at the end when it's like John Leguizamo and I'm like, really? <laughs> No, unless he was playing the Gamorreans. <laughs> well, this guy, okay, Gore Koresh, he could be one of my new favorites because he's a Cyclops alien guy. He's got a comb over. Yeah. He's got like a little jacket with like a little cummerbund thing. He's, we, we haven't got any fancy dressed aliens in a while, so it was it was a pleasant surprise when we got to see him. This is, I was really focused on his comb over. Dude that he's he's an alien that was going bald but he was <laughs> kind of wanted to hide it a little bit the best he could and so he's rock he's a like cyclops rocking a comb over yeah i kind of hope he's not dead if we're lucky he'll come back as like maybe he'll be the cyborg character we finally get like uh Admiral Trench we'll get him back and he'll be like a cyborg with a comb over hasbro where's the black series come on please yeah he wants a uh, he wants the armor. He wants the Beskar. Continuing the theme of people wanting the armor, which is interesting. Like the second time I watched it, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's a whole thing in this episode too. And it was in season one of people wanting the armor and what that armor means. And well, and it might be a little hint of some of the conflicts this season too. If he's going around and finding other Mandalorians and basically making them come out of hiding a little bit that it's potentially bringing the spotlight back on the Mandalorians that are spread throughout the galaxy. And that maybe there's going to be a lot of people kind of hunting for Mando armor now. Yeah. What did uh, grief say to him? Like in season one, that as soon as he walked in with the the shiny Beskar armor, that they're all going to be after you now. <laughs> it's true. Yeah well and with just the fallout from season 1 of of all those mandalorians appearing in public to help him out like the word's got to be out now that there's the mandos are out so it's probably more than just our buddy din looking for uh, other mandos at this point so the the fight breaks out in the club yeah ludwig's guitar is going crazy so when that gamorian jumps out of the ring <laughs> And just slams down on that table. I I don't know why that affected me so much this morning, but I, I legit gasp. Like, watch out. <sighs> Finally, professional wrestling in Star Wars is crossing over. And it really is because we have Sasha Banks later on. So we have a, an actual wrestler in Star Wars and we have Star Wars aliens wrestling. <laughs> It's just such again, it's just such a a wild, crazy, bold move. Because at first it's like, oh man, the Gamorreans coming into the fight and he's got that vibro blade, and then no, just right down into a table, just like ECW style. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, and that that you know there wasn't a lot of hand to hand action this episode, in that one little fight in the uh, by the wrestling ring that was a cool Mando fight, and it there was some fun. Gags with uh, the one guy punching him in the head and his head hitting the I think the Twilight guy in the face. Like there was a bunch of good stuff in there. So our friend Gore Koresh takes off running. Uh, Mando catches up to him and I yeah when when Mando g- gets him with the rope and he f- starts dragging him and his his comb over is just flapping in the breeze. I love too that even uh, just hanging someone from a pole, Mando's like got to be super badass just like how he's whipping the ropes around the pole to tie him up and stuff it's like it's i don't know everything was so action-packed in that little part at the beginning is the is saying that uh there's a mandalorian he knows about on tatooine and then yeah we're off to tatooine again and and i'm sure you had the same reaction i did of wait already (laughs) we're really we're really gonna do this today maybe (laughs) i was like okay I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I go like, where you go, Mandalorian. I'm cool. <laughs> you you want to go Tatooine? I'm cool. Let's go Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the Razorcrest lands, which I thought of you, the beautiful ship landing scene. <laughs> well, I really like the, uh, the like map painting kind of shot of Mos Eisley with him just kind of flying around that little cliff edge and you see Mos Eisley in the distance. That's the thing. I never, I never get tired of that. Oh, it was, it's some pretty stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so Amy Starris is no, back. No. The pit droids are back. That would have been enough for me for the whole episode if it was just the pit droids were back. And the little gag with the one getting the hose stuck to his eye. <laughs> that, that could have been all the, all the prequel stuff and I would have been totally happy with the episode. Could have just stopped right there. And that is one thing. And we're going to be, as we go into it more and more... They ramped up the prequel love in this episode a lot. They did. But what's, I think, an even better way to put it is the they had equal amounts of prequel love. And I think it felt like they ramped it up because it was almost on equal footing with the original trilogy love. And that was not unexpected, but I was happy to see that that's where it went. Because, again, all, the, all those instances, it's like... It just made sense. Oh, he's back in Mos Eisley. Why wouldn't he go to where his friend is? And if he goes to where his friend is, she's going to have the pit droids. If they weren't there, it would have been weird. So it's like, makes perfect sense they're going to be there. And they're pit droids. Of course, they're going to cause some trouble. That's just how they are. Well, and every line that Amy Sedaris says is absolute gold. I love, I think my, one of my favorites is what she calls, them a, uh, calls Yoda Baby a wrinkled critter. <laughs> yeah. If there was one callback connections whatever they want to call it when she calls on r5d4 and he comes rolling out and there's that shot of the bad motivator in the back that was when i was just like okay it's it's i get it it's r5d4 it's skippy the jedi droid well didn't they do that same shot last season too when he came by so you would know it was really him (laughs) i think they just they love that so much i know Because there's the whole part in in Disney Gallery where they show him painting the slime on the bad motivator part to make sure we know. I think that's Favreau, though. I think he's like, he has a thing for R5-D4. Which, you know, that's, you know, in the end, it's like, that's fine. If you got a thing for R5-D4, if you want to just rock your R5-D4 love, then go for it. I mean, what was it in Disney Gallery? They openly admitted and referenced Skippy the Jedi droid, so... Who knows, you know? Well, we never see Jon Favreau without a shirt because on his on his chest he has a tattoo that says R5-D4 ever. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, and it, it, If it is Skippy the Jedi droid and he was trying to come forward or he was nervous about coming forward because he knows that the Mandalorian is looking for the sorcerers. It's true. It kind of fits where you know he can't reveal that he's Skippy the Jedi droid, but he'll he'll help these people along their way, and that's kind of a very Jedi way to be. I don't know. It 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 all kind of makes sense. Anyways, we've got to move on. They get on the speeder bike. There's this great shot of Yoda baby loving it. Yeah, <laughs> a beautiful shot of Mando just along the way to most Pelgo, just hanging out. On a tu- at a Tuscan camp with Tuscan Raiders. It's, that's one of my favorite shots going back and watching it again because it makes me remember the first time when you're like, oh, that's cool. He's hanging out with some Tuscans again, not realizing what we're in for with the rest of the episode. <laughs> Just a little tease of what's to come. I couldn't help thinking too, like with this episode, especially and the one from last year, what this show is has done for Tusken Raiders. It really has. It's made them even cooler than they already were, and now kind of turned them into, I mean, it's really giving them some character, and they're not just like boogeymen. We're probably going to say that about Boba Fett by the end of the season, maybe, that it's they're, they're really rounding out these iconic character creatures, but that they've never really got their moment to shine. Yeah, because if you would have asked me a year ago, Tuscan Raiders, do you want to hang out with them? I'd be like, no, they're mindless, vicious animals, and I'm going to be out picking mushrooms, and they're going to kidnap me, and I'm going to die. But now I'm like, well, yeah, so if, if I can know the, the sign language, sure. I'll drink their stinky black melon juice. If they want to do an All Sand People spinoff romantic comedy or like a a family sitcom or something. I'll watch that. That was the other thing I was waiting for. I was like, man, where are the, the female Tuskens and the child Tuskins? Like, are we going to go all the way there? We almost did. We got just right up to the edge. We'll get to that later, but that's the thing too, like Mando as a character. And that's the, the like, also with the slaying the dragon thing, we're seeing his character growth and his character development from where we saw him in the in chapter one, now to chapter nine, because all he's doing in this episode is bringing people together. Yeah, like you said, like we all loved that part in what was it, chapter five with Toro, where it's like, oh man, he's talking to Tuscan Raiders, and he knows how to sign language with Tuscan Raiders. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it's like we're showing him humanizing. Yeah, these demons, these monsters from Star Wars. Well, and it's neat that it shows that he's not just. A badass fighter too like he's got he's got other abilities that he can use and there are, there are alternatives to fighting basically it's what we're learning through the through mando so this next part i was assuming was a happy thing for you that we got the straight up western town like not even subtle it's just the the one strip western town in a desert the perfect place for a shootout it filled my heart with joy because i was just like yeah it's just an old west town the saloon and like the people hanging out on their porches as someone rides through it's like it's not like this was like oh star wars has always kind of been inspired by westerns and there's western motifs and han solo's kind of the cowboy kind of character it's like no that's we're going all the way Western here. We're circling it and underlining it and getting out a highlighter and coloring it in yellow Westerns. Even before Mando rolls into the town, there was that one little moment with like two Womp Rats where even that, I was like, that's such a small little touch and it doesn't need to be in there at all, but something about it too. And I think that's like what I was saying in the beginning. There's something about it that about this episode that made it feel a little different than season one. And that the shot of those two little womp rats, it reminded me of something George Lucas would have done. Just something weird and quirky in there that doesn't have to be in there. Yeah. I think that reminds me of a, of a, of a thing with this episode that it did as much as star Wars is about faster and more intense. This episode really took its time. And I really enjoyed that because that was some of the parts of season one I liked the most when it really wasn't in a race to get anywhere. And it just kind of like you're just on this journey with Mando and seeing what crazy creatures and people he runs into. And this one, you really up until the end, just kind of like the first time through is like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm having fun just tagging along with Mando on this uh, on his journey today. And so he, he goes into the bar and we meet the incredible Weekway bartender. It's like Wayne's World. Dreamweaver starts playing. It's like you get you get excited because he walks in and it's and it's a Weekway bartender, and you're like, that's really cool. But then he talks, and he's got like a classic like Western, like, "Hey, stranger," It's like the scared old guy, Western guy. Yeah. Well, see for yourself. That actor is W. Earl Brown, who was on Deadwood. He's in like every single episode of Deadwood, just about. And he was like, he was on Twitter today. He's so excited. He's like, I'm in Star Wars. And- oh, yeah. He was so good. It's not every day you get to see Weekway, and it's even less days you get to see a Weekway bartender. You know, it's just little stuff like that. A Weekway bartender with like a gruff Old West voice. Well, I don't know. Maybe check the general store. <laughs> You're talking about the marshal. He's right there. That's just, just, you know, it's the little things. Oh, no. It's, it's the little things. So, yeah. The marshal, he comes walking in. Oh, snap. It's the Boba Fett armor. <laughs> I really wonder if there was anyone that was unfamiliar enough with the show or Star Wars that they thought that was really Boba Fett for a second. Because I'm trying to think if I didn't hear the rumors beforehand, if I would have thought maybe that was Boba Fett for a second, or if that was kind of the reason they cast Timothy Oliphant, because... He, he His body doesn't have the silhouette of a Mandalorian Super Commando. Like, he's kind of tall and skinny. Yeah, which I really appreciate. as soon as he walked in the door. I was like, whoa, that's not your armor. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't quite fit right. And it reminded me a lot. I posted a picture on Twitter of, I have a store-bought Jango Fett costume from 2002. And... Both of us, we're really tall people. I'm like 6'4, and usually with Halloween costumes, you you, you know, they don't make them for people our size. You kind of just got to do the best you can. My Django Fett costume fits me a little goofy, but I wear it anyways. And I have a huge head, and the helmet doesn't quite fit right, but wear it anyways because it's Django Fett. It kind of reminds me of that, where it's like, yeah, it's not quite right, but hey, I'm doing the best I can. But that was another one of those moments that we seem to be getting a lot of in just the Mandalorian series of it makes sense, but I can't believe they went there and they got Cobb Vanth from the aftermath book and they had him be a guy that just finds Boba Fett's armor and decides to be a sheriff. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous that they were like, yep, let's do it. But it's perfect. It's just, it's exactly what I wanted to see. It's so crazy too. That it's like, yeah, it's that, that weird s- story from the Aftermath books where it's just like, wow, what's going on? Is this guy at Boba Fett? Cobb Vanth? What, what is happening? Like, the Aftermath books that came out before Force Awakens, and it's legit. Here it is. Here's the character from the books. Deal with it, people. And by the end of the episode, it's like he's – On my list of characters that I want to see more of, like, I'm glad he's in the in the show now. And it's like, I kind of hope maybe he comes back and they do something fun again later. Like, because now he's literally your dream from was that Battle Beyond the Stars with the cowboy? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, right, because when we did the commentary for *Battle on the Stars for the Blast Points Army, I was just like, we've never had just a straight cowboy character in Star Wars, and not, now we do. And the whole thing, it got me thinking, like, all these rumors of, like, spinoff shows about certain characters and stuff. A Disney Gallery Star Wars tales of six or seven 20-minute live-action mini stories and let's just on one of them let's just check in on Cobb vanth and let's just have an old west story with like a crazy robot wearing a cowboy hat that wanders into most pelgo and he's like that's all right don't everybody be calm marshals in town i'm gonna take care of that nasty robot well because you know by the end he doesn't have the armor anymore his head he's gonna get sunburned or something so he's gonna put on a hat and you know it's gonna be like a a star wars cowboy hat it's gotta be there was a cartoon in the 80s called galaxy rangers do you remember galaxy rangers yes yes i do cobb vanth is pretty much galaxy rangers yeah Yeah. i am here for it and i'm ready let's go So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, but it's hard not to with uh, so many jewels in this treasure chest of an episode. So Mando is basically like, take off your clothes, give me that armor, and I love Cobb You We're really going to do this here right now, right, right here? We're going to do this right in the bar? And the bartender's backing away, so he's like, oh, well, I'm getting out of here. Uh, yeah, and then they do. They start to do the draw, which is crazy because, yeah, in our Patreon like, Q&A prediction episode, it was like – Someone asked, like, what what like Western motifs would you want to see in the Mandalorian? And I was like, I want to see like an old-fashioned like draw. And I was like, Man, I swear <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> we don't know anything. All our predictions are always wrong. If we yeah. predict something, it's bound to not happen. So that was just that was a lucky guess. Or John Favreau's reading our dreams. Could be. <laughs> So, they're, so, yeah, they're about to do their, their draw, and then uh, Tremors begins, Star Wars Tremors, and there's something crazy going through the town. Did you know what that was going to be? Because I don't I, – I, I haven't been hunting too hard for for scoops and spoilers this time, and I don't remember coming across anything about the Krayt Dragon. Was there – was that – information out there because I had no idea what the what the shaking was. No, I was just like, this episode just keeps getting more and more outrageous. <laughs> and by the time it was just like, wait, at first I was like, is is there like a space train coming through? Is this how old West we're getting? And like, Where, here comes a train. Comes 12 o'clock every day. But no, it's like, yeah, and then it's a crate dragon. I started to kind of know what it was though, because the crate dragon, and did you notice this? It was literally Cycling through every sound from A New Hope. Yes, it was like all all the special edition versions of the sound plus the original sound mixed together. Yes, for those of you who don't know out there, the one <laughs> one of the constantly changing things in the ten thousand different versions of A New Hope is the back and forth of Obi Wan's crate dragon call. It changed constantly. in this episode they kind of justify every version of Obi-Wan's crate dragon crawl by just, just playing all of them and i think at one time they played all of them just on top of each other <sighs> i think so it's like oh okay it's real voice is kind of a mix of those three yeah <laughs> no when, when that happened and it kind of it cuz i remember i was like there's shaking okay what is this and then you see the sand moving and i'm like oh there's a creature and then I was like wait they're not gonna do what i think they're gonna do and then yeah the sound kicks in and it's like holy cow they are what what else like what's the one thing we haven't seen on tatooine yet and it's it's the great dragon alive and they did it and they didn't do a baby <laughs> they're like we're gonna do it we're gonna do the biggest one you've ever seen i think that way of thinking like with the with the mandalorian is good like are they going to do what I think they're going to do? And if you, if you stop yourself and be like, no, that's too crazy, it's like, no, they're probably going to do it. Because it's like Dave Filoni sitting there giggling about it. It's like, <laughs> like, they just told me I can do whatever I want. As long as I can convince John, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I whatever I've been wondering if he was going to try to bring back the Zillow Beast for live action in this Will this be the closest we ever get? Maybe, but this was Zillow Beast's size crate Dragon. You know Dave was having... He was giggling this whole episode. So Cobb Vanth and the Mandalorian decide that uh, it'd be better if they team up and work together. And then, yeah, just just when you're getting over the crate Dragon fun, we get a look at Cobb Vanth's speeder. <laughs> yeah, they, when they decide to head out, yeah, to, I know where it lives, let's go, and... You're watching Mando in the speeder and you're like, "Okay, this is cool. where's Cobb vanth? And then, yeah, heart attack it's a it's a pod racer engine that looks suspiciously like Anakin's pod racer until they come out and say that it actually is like from you know that little that little human boy, Anakin Skywalker. It could it could just be a standard pod racer engine, but it sure kind of looks like little Annie Speeder. I was just like, they they were trying so hard to make you fall in love with Cop Vanth, and it worked because you you start this guy's pretty cool, and then he shows up on his pod racer speeder bike. You're like, okay, I, I think I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, at that point, I was just like. That's a pod racer engine. So, 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 so that's how we're doing this, huh? That's how we're doing this on Friday morning. All right. <laughs> yeah. I came downstairs to watch some Star Wars, but I didn't know I was going to be watching some Star Wars. No big deal. Just a pod racer engine. Just, just oh, okay, so then, yeah, Cobb Vanth is like telling you a story about his backstory, full of flashbacks, and yeah. Starts out where he's at a bar, and they're watching Return of the Jedi having a party, it's my kind of bar, FYI. <laughs> it's it's like, uh, it's it's literally when we were in the hotel bar at uh, in Seattle, I think, waiting for our flight. And then Return of the Jedi just happened to be on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> People were trying to talk to us about, like, the convention that we did a panel at. And we we're just like, yeah, but Return of the Jedi is on right now. <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen this movie? This is the good stuff. Yeah. Have you ever watched it at a restaurant while you're eating? <laughs> we, Come on. this is a new experience for us. <laughs> and then the the mining collective rolls in, ruins their return, the Jedi viewing party. What a bummer. I love these mining collective guys too. Cause they're just like, they kind of look like Kanji club or something crazy. Just random star Wars goons. Yeah. A bunch of jerks with cool helmets. But I also love that Cobb Van. so again, cementing our love for him, when the when the mining collective comes in, he makes sure that the bar, our bartender friend is okay. He's like, You okay? Yeah. Yeah. He's he's looking out for all of our best interests. Keep keep him alive, please. <laughs> he takes the, the ice cream thing of silica crystals, and he's off in the desert. Yeah, and then we're straight into live action Chuck Wendig's aftermath, which is crazy that he's on this giant sand crawler and the the Jawas are like offering their best stuff to him. I think on the second time I watched this episode, I I had to kind of step back at this moment and just really kind of appreciate the ridiculousness of jawa action and jawa is presenting this cowboy guy their best things they have and like this droid (laughs) this this r2 unit and stuff well right around this part in the in the show too i we get some great john favreau ridiculous dialogue too because there's the part where he's talking about the about the death star and he says the second one that is with his like cowboy (laughs) voice (laughs) and then we get the the uh the now classic quote of I guess once I guess every once in a while both suns shine on a womp rat's tail. <laughs> we need that on a T shirt ASAP. It's, I'm sure like John Favreau told that line to his kids and they rolled their eyes at him. <laughs> He's like, it's perfect. Filoni just said it in okay. passing once, and John Favreau's like, well, oh, I'm writing that one down, Dave. Dave Filoni just says that every day when they have uh, when it's like Taco Day for lunch. What well, you got? Next time you watch it, too, pay attention when, right when Cobb Vanth is pointing at the armor on the wall, the Boba armor, look at what the Jawa is holding, and it's a CZ-3 head. So, I thought of our friend Tom Spina in that moment. Well, it's their best stuff. (laughs) He's got the Regal (laughs) Robot CZ-3 bust. Have you seen this? Can you believe this? (laughs) It's CZ-3! (laughs) It's so good the Jawas bought a whole bunch of them. So yeah, Cop Vanth, he's got Boba Fett's armor, which is just ridiculous, and he shows back up at the bar, Mining Collective takes off, and yeah, he shoots the rocket jetpack at the Mining Collective dudes, which is just insane. Our first ever live-action rocket-firing well, I guess, okay, I take it back. Django shot one in Attack of the Clones, but he didn't use the eye visor thing and then, like, lean over like he's going to throw up so he could shoot the rocket over. <laughs> it's like straight out of a Clone Wars cartoon. And give us eye visor point of view. That's another, it's a thank you. It's We didn't really need that, but they, they knew we needed that. Because they weren't giving us enough this episode. They had to give us more. <laughs> <laughs> and what are we, like a third of the way through the episode at this point? And it's already like this much craziness. So they make it back to the Tuscan camp thing. And out come, and I could, I, I, this is another gasp moment. Out come the Tuscan dogs from Attack of the Clones. Yeah. When the, when the first one popped its head out. Yeah. I think I, I audibly gasp. I was like, oh. is that really am i seeing things i have to pause this and go like rinse my eyes out am i actually dead and i'm just in heaven right now is that what's happening because the tuscan dogs from attack of the clones are back (laughs) it's like is my furnace just shooting out carbon monoxide and (laughs) i'm completely hallucinating at this point yeah if somebody would have told me last night that the hey the dogs from Attack of the Clones are in this episode, I would have never gone to sleep. No. No. I'd be like, if I go to sleep, that's a that's an insult. Yeah. And there's a chance I won't wake up. I can't take that chance. <laughs> then what would happen if I missed the dogs from Attack of the Clones? And it's and <sighs> it, it would have been enough if one showed up, but then like a whole bunch of them show up and and that's not enough. Because this is the Mandalorian. And what does our buddy Mando do? He starts talking in Tusken to the dogs and then hugs it and pets it. <laughs> Goes straight Crocodile Dundee. But this is the thing which is so great about this show. And like we were talking about earlier with the Tuscans, It's like not only are we getting Tuscans as characters. I feel like this is a different tribe. Like this is the tribe from Attack of the Clones that live in the tents. And that have the dogs because the other ones that he was meeting up with didn't have the dogs. And these guys talk while they do their sign language where the guys in last season only did the sign language. So I almost wonder if this is like a different clan <laughs> because the last clan was too quiet. And <laughs> all the, I bet you the episode where they were talking about when, um, Quill spoke pig language In second thought, it wasn't as bad of an idea as they thought. So, if they can have the Tuscans just grunting for an entire episode, that's way better. Yeah, that was was another like out of body experience watching this episode. There's just a whole lot of Tuscan grunting, more than we've ever gotten before. (laughs) Yeah, no subtitles, holiday special style, caravan of courage style, just alien jibber jabber. More tuscan grunting than humans or aliens speaking english in this episode it's technically a foreign film that just happens to have a few english-speaking characters in it you know it's 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 the kurosawa thing it's it's a foreign culture you dropped into it you're just catching up that's you know it all goes back it's it, if that wasn't enough with all the Tuscan stuff, yeah. Because then the next shot is we're in like the Tuscan camp. Yeah, there's the huts straight out of Attack of the Clones, and you can almost miss those Attack of the Clones huts because front and center on the screen is a Tuscan <laughs> using his gaffy stick to clean a bantha's teeth. Yes. What, what are what are your thoughts? Oh my God! Are yeah how do, how are they doing this to us? How do they just keep it just keeps building and building uh, 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 yeah, I can barely talk about it. It's so insane, and it's so such a crazy gag too because if you look up a gum massager, like the rub they're like rubber nub things that you can buy to like massage your gums, and I never really thought about that the end of a gaffy stick looked like that so i I gotta think that that was the joke if someone was like that looks like a gum massager, so let's have them clean their Bantha's teeth with it. But the other thing too is it's just one of the things I always enjoy are like the weird crossovers with with dental stuff. Like I had a I used to have a Spider-Man comic that I got at the grocery store when you bought toothpaste. And in the comic Doc Ock gets a cavity. <laughs> he like goes to the dentist because there's like microfilm in one of his teeth. And while the dentist is in there he finds a real cavity and he's just like really upset. But but Peter Parker has like perfect teeth. There's something about dental hygiene and uh Star Wars crossover I never knew I wanted. Do you remember that uh, that brush your teeth like flyer thing we saw at celebration? Oh, I think For, so. like Return of the Jedi dental hygiene thing. Yes. Uh, yeah, this <laughs> this shot it's <sighs> Again, it's it's like the 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 little Womp rats shot. It's it's so weird, and it didn't need to be there and it's like we haven't had something like that kind of in Star Wars for a while, kinda I mean, I feel like Ryan Johnson was kind of tapped into that where well, there was some of us like, why is this happening? Yeah. You know Star Wars Weirdness that kind of reminds you of George Lucas kind of a little bit, yeah, goofy with a capital G right, yeah, <laughs> for George <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But there's something just so kind of like, when you put those little things in, like little, just putting the camera on some womp rats being weird, or, you know, like pit droids getting a vacuum stuck to their face, or a Tuscan brushing a Bantha's to- teeth, it just it's it's something so very George Lucas, and it's so comforting to see it, it's like, oh. Yeah, this feels like Star Wars here. Well, and it's kind of one of the things I think I've really enjoyed with Bando from the beginning is it's like there's the there's the badass parts, but they make you earn those parts by sitting through the goofy stuff, <laughs> and I uh, just love it. When, so they're sitting by the campfire, and it's it's very Temple of Doom, too, where uh, Cobb Vamp doesn't want to drink the black melon zinc juice. And I was like, you're insulting them. And it really, really reminded me of like Willie Scott and all that stuff. Well, and and I love how the, the scene ends too with the Mandalorian. How do we kill it? <laughs> <laughs> There's a big, a big Bantha parade with everyone riding on the Banthas. Which were you bugging out at all about what those Banthas were? Cause I was like, I think ever since we saw like the entertainment weekly picture, it's like they built, like a Bantha face, but is it a puppet? Is there digital Banthas? It's, yeah, it's probably a mix of all of them. That's we forgot to talk about the that was the 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 best part of the Crate Dragon reveal was the super close-up of the Bantha's face with it sniffing and blinking. It's unbelievable. Like true Star Wars magic, where you don't know what it is you're seeing, and thinking about how. Whatever digital trickery we're seeing was done by ILM folks all during COVID times, all at home. That's just amazing. It looks even better than as good as season one looked. And like we were saying earlier, it's even getting closer and closer to some of the shots just looking like you're watching one of the theatrical movies. Like It doesn't even feel like a TV show. And especially when we get – when they change the aspect ratio, like it it's, I saw people asking if they filmed that in IMAX like which wouldn't make any sense maybe for a TV show but it's like people are feeling like they're at the theater and it's like, oh, did it go to IMAX like because it feels like that And I don't know it's just it's it's crazy that we're here that we're getting <laughs> Star Wars movies every week <laughs> for eight weeks. So the Tuscans have been studying the the Crate Dragons digestive cycle for generations. I love that. <laughs> yeah, The dragon comes out and uh, the Yoda baby gets a cute thing where he ducks down and hides. And it eats a poor Tuscan, which I was really thinking about how we've never seen a Tuscan run before. And we got to see a lot of it today. Yeah, it's like That's really cool. <laughs> we may have missed this for 40 years, but we're going to make up for it today. So then they go back to the town and they have like a little community meeting. And yeah, Cobb Vanth starts out, this here's a Mandalorian. We've heard the stories, but never met one for real. My favorite part in this town meeting, though, is like, they're going to come for you, and then they're going to come for the school. And oh, it's like, where's the school? Yeah. I want to see all the kids. I guess we do see some of the kids later <laughs> on. But, yeah, I want to see the school. <laughs> <clears throat> but let people like, no, no, all right, all right. Okay, we'll go fight a giant dragon. I guess maybe that's the only negative of this episode is Baby Yoda didn't get to hang out with the kids at the school. And maybe there was a scene of that because there is the one concept of him feeding the womp rat. That wasn't in the movie, so may, or in the episode, maybe it, maybe fifty. It got too long. It was like ninety minutes or something at first. I had to cut some stuff out. I don't know. So in come the Tuskins into town. Things are a little rocky at first. A guy drops like a little bomb thing, and it, it was an accident. It was, but it's all it's very Star Wars. It's life forms working together for mutual advantage. It's people coming together in times of hardship. Yeah, I mean it, it's kind of the. Story of Phantom Menace again, if we're getting a little prequel of here, of the the Naboo and the, and the Gungans working together to kill Krat Dragon. I wonder if all that hanging out with Dave Filoni, if one day Favreau just watched episodes one and two, maybe. He's like, you know what, Dave, you were right. I'm going to put a lot of that in my episode. The very first episode, I'm coming out of the gate. Prequel strong. Or... John wrote it, gave it to Dave to read it, and Dave just added a bunch of stuff and didn't tell John, and he didn't realize it till they were filming. And he was like, "Oh, guess I got to put this in. Guess there's dogs from Attack of the Clones now." So the the crate dragon is sleeping. You you can hear it breathing if you listen. Yeah. <laughs> all I all I could hear was me breathing. <sighs> I really like this part too that uh, Cobb Banth drinks the, the stinky black melon juice. That even even in, you know, since the, the half hour or so we've known him, he's had some character development. He's really, he's come around. Wasn't that after he saw the dragon eat the guy or was it before? I can't remember. Cause I, yeah. think, I think he was ready for some stinky juice after all that. If Galaxy's Edge isn't serving stinky Tuscan Raider juice in a black melon, then what's the point? Why even go? so yeah at at the forty minute twenty six second mark, right when the Tuscans are running away from the big hole in the cave, the episode goes to the next level of ridiculous and goes from a two three five aspect ratio to a sixteen by nine aspect ratio, fills your whole TV It's cool, it looks awesome, but yeah, the big question is, why did they do it? I don't know. Hal Hickle, like on Twitter was just like, "Yeah, we did it." We we did yeah the aspect ratio change but well it makes sense because I think it's because of all the vertical action with the jetpack stuff that's coming and then with the crate dragon being so huge like you can't fit everything on screen sometimes I mean you can but it it's a it's a different look right because you have to pan or cut to get the scale of the dragon I don't know. I didn't even notice it until it was done, but now that I – I mean, I'm kind of – it's cool that they're doing that because I feel like, why not? It's it's TV. It's it's. – we're living in the future. It's kind of like, go crazy. But I wonder, yeah, if they, are any of the other directors going to be that bold? Are they going to do this again? I don't know. I mean, I was trying to think, like, did Favreau do that for, like, Lion King or Jungle Book or anything? Because those those were released in IMAX, right? I don't think they did with the animated movies, but maybe... But, I mean, it's kind of like that's a thing now, right? You go see a Chris Nolan movie and there's going to be an IMAX scene. Or you go see the Transformers movies and there's the IMAX scene. So it was kind of neat to get that feel in a TV show. I do get sometimes it's weird when aspect ratios change in the middle of the movie. But, I mean... They did a really good job of the of the transition in because even the going back to try to find it, like if I'm actually paying attention to the movie, since I'm watching them run towards the camera, like I didn't even notice it. Well, it's funny you even just said, even when I'm paying attention to the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. it's like it's like we're watching a movie. It's like it's like this episode is a Star Wars movie. So they, they gotta blow it up from underneath. And yeah, Cobb. And Mando take off on their jetpacks. A little hint of a Mando Boba team up, sort of. (laughs) And did you notice the extra crazy and Attack of the Clones love of this, too, is because Boba's armor is so beat up that you can see so much of the Beskar, it's almost like half Boba, half Django armor. I kept thinking about that. I know. (laughs) I think they might have did that on purpose. Getting you ready for what you're going to see later. The crate dragon then eats the Bantha that's got all the bombs on it and Mando, it's like, "Oh no, is the Mandalorian dead?" And nope, Mando comes flying out of the mouth of the crate dragon, covered in goo, and he blows it up. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and you're forgetting the whole part in the middle of the fight when it turns into Starship Troopers and the dragon starts puking acid on everybody. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> because it's literally like, you, hey, everyone at home watching this, I bet you feel like you're going to puke. <laughs> <laughs> because this episode is just too intense. A giant dragon puking on Tuscan Raiders. Again... <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be this kind of party. I would have I would have dressed up or something. I would have I would have put on my fancy clothes. Yeah. I'm just I'm just sitting here drinking coffee and it's still dark out. I didn't know. I didn't know. Cuz have we ever seen Star Wars Puke before? This is our first? Um I think this is our first Star Wars Puke. Yeah. I could be wrong. If if we're wrong, please let us know. Oh, and you also, we almost forgot, too, that before Mando gets eaten by the dragon, we get our Return of the Jedi gag of him hitting the jetpack, the faulty jetpack, to send Cobb van flying. <laughs> yeah, this looks familiar. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the great Dragon is dead. The Tuskens are digging through the guts. When I watched it this morning, I didn't know what the big silver marble that they hold up is. And it's from, it's actually it's it's from like Knights of the Old Republic. It was in Star Wars Galaxies, the the video game, the, the and it was in funny enough the Moondy comics. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It's, just, why why are they do what 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 are you doing? What are you doing, Mandalorian? Why <laughs> why are you putting that? Why you got to do that? We also get to see some some delectable Star Wars meat. That Mando and Baby Yoda are going to be eating soon. It's, <laughs> it's a big, like, man, they're hungry. That's, <laughs> yeah. They're going to be a, eating that for a couple of days. Big slab where it's like, we're going to have crate Dragon soup. We're going to have sandwiches. We might go online, find some recipes we don't even know about. We may might make a pot pie oh so it's all good yeah Cobb Banth is just like hey you're a buddy let's team up again let's do that here you go here's your armor and then mandalorian takes off to another adventure back to go see amy sedaris and fly out of there off to next week but no oh no 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 yep up on the hill he's watching mr fett mr boba yeah what's gonna happen next week Is is he just watching, and Mando's gonna leave, or is Boba gonna show up in um, Mos Eisley? I don't know. Yeah, this morning after that last shot, the episode ended, and I even watched like all the credits for the foreign dubs and everything. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, literally, it ended, and it was on like the Disney Plus like little menu screen, and I just kind of sat there and just was like, I got to play it again. But I, I'm not ready yet. I just gotta sit and think for a minute here. It, I I had to I had to stew on it for a while before I could before I could watch it again. There's a, there's a lot to absorb. I probably look like the uh, helmetless Mando action figure because my face is all puffy with all of this episode that I tried to absorb. I haven't <laughs> hasn't gone through my system yet. <sighs> That's the thing too. Like we you know we, we say over and over again, we're not Boba Fett people. But this morning, my heart was with all the Boba Fett people all around the world. This is the moment they've been living for <laughs> their whole lives. And you have our support, Boba Fett people of the world. But we are Tamora Morrison people. So there is that the crossover with Boba Fett people. So having Tamora Morrison back in Star Wars is amazing. I would say I'm, I may not be a Boba Fett person, but I would say I'm a Jango Fett person. Yeah. And it touched the Jango buttons. And I think that's what kind of sent me over the edge. Yeah. Well, at this point, he's both. He's Django. He's Boba. His armor looks like both. They fused into one. And he, <laughs> he watched the whole thing go down. And he watched the Mandalorian with his shiny Beskar armor right away with his armor. We know absolutely nothing. Nothing. Nobody does. Some people do. They're not telling what happened next week. Chapter 10. What? What's your prediction? I, I don't know. We don't know who's directing. We don't know. I'm guessing maybe the beginning is still on Tatooine and we get Boba and Mando meeting up. Or maybe we don't and Mando... Is just and Boba just follows him for a while. I, I don't even know what to speculate. I have no idea. Mandalorian and, and will be there, and the and Baby Yoda will be there, and the Razor Crest will be there. That's what's going to happen <laughs> next week. I'm wondering if he's still going off looking for other Mandalorians to point him in the direction of the the sorcerers. And I wonder if next week is the boat episode. Because we did kind of see a bunch of the boat episode in the trailer. Well, or next week is he has a new set of armor, but not a clear goal. And maybe he goes back to Dave Navarro to check in with his buddies and maybe see if griefs hurt anything. Yeah. Like, what does he do with the Boba armor? Does he just put it on his ship? Is he going to like see other Mandalorians and be like, hey, do you know what I do with this or something? Like what? Now that he has that Boba Fett armor, what, yeah, what is, what's the plan here? Yeah. Yeah. Or he's going to go give it to the armorer because she was collecting all the Beskar in the end of season one. Is the slave one still on Tatooine? Because Boba probably parked it at Jabba's palace. Would, after Jabba died and the sail barge blew up, would, would Jabba's palace have been like raided and would... It, would jawas take apart like the slave one or something probably they took the razor crest apart pretty quick cuz that's the thing yeah it's like it would be cool to see the slave one again but i feel like why would boba be wandering the desert with sand people gear if he had a ship to just leave with right like has he been trapped on tatooine all this time or is he just there by choice to just lay low because people think he's dead And is Boba Fett reporting to Gideon? And is is Boba Fett like telling Gideon, like, yeah, he's, they're on Tatooine and I'm going to follow them and I'll tell you where he goes next. Does Boba Fett go rough up Amy Sedaris? I hope not. Well, or is Boba not working for Gideon and he's just, he has a, does he have a family and he just lives out on Tatooine? I mean, Django really wanted a son. Does Boba have a son? Yeah, and that's we talked about that in our, our Q&A thing over on the Patreon, too. Like, yeah, the idea of Boba not necessarily being the Boba we think he'll be, and maybe Boba being an ally, which that's really interesting to think about. Yeah, especially because if Boba is an exact clone of Django, and at some point Django really wanted a son, then you would think his exact clone, as he got older, would have the same desire to have a son or a child to to pass on his knowledge to and did boba surviving the sarlacc give him the the kick in the pants to think maybe i'm just going to retire and hang out here out in the desert and start a family cuz we got that in the with a lot of the, a couple of the clones and some of the clone wars episodes that kind of idea of the the warrior who kind of gives gives up and retires and just settles down out in the out in the country, so... I don't know. Uh, six more days. As for the Marshall, chapter nine, A+. Plus. I think so. Is there, a, is there a letter better than A? Infinity plus or something? I. It set the bar pretty high for the rest of season two, but if we use season one as a gauge, it's only going to get better and it's only going to get crazier. And I think maybe uh, Phil... Phil Stack was right that that we're not ready for this. Phil <laughs> tried to warn us. And last thing, I I, I got to give a shout out to the townspeople's hats. I forgot to bring that up. They have sweet, perfect little Star Wars hats. Yeah, they've been shopping at the Rogue One store. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lots of gold in the in the Marshall. <laughs> vader sold separately capture them alive i'm the best bounty hunter in the whole galaxy that's why you got the job boba fett has a see-through helmet with play rangefinder to locate your objective you can move his legs knees arms even wrists and elbows his backpack unit is removable you have your mission good luck i don't need luck i'm the best new boba fett star wars large size action figure from kenner dark vader sold separately This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. You know what we're saying. You know what, what what's going on here. Apple Podcast reviews. It helps the show in mysterious ways. Maybe they're in the aftermath book. I don't know. I got to go back and read them again. It's been a been a long time. We love reading uh, Apple Podcast reviews on the show, and uh, so yeah, when you're done listening, it would help help us a lot if you go say something nice and make sure you check out our website BlastPointsPodcast.com instagram twitter facebook we're on all of that and if you're on facebook sign up for the chill group there is gonna be a lot of mando talk over the next few weeks i think our uh, spoiler thread is already in the multiple hundreds of comments at this point so it's it's the place to be and if you want to support the show in a different way we've got the blast points army over there on patreon where starting next week, we're going to have our weekly recaps for all the rest of season two of The Mandalorian over there on the Blast Points Army. Pretty much every Saturday, usually we'll have um, our recap episode up. We're gonna we're gonna go through the whole thing. lot a heavy breathing, and you can hear sweat dripping, gripping edge of your seat podcast action. Are they recording outside in the rain? No, it's just <laughs> my sweat. But yeah, that about wraps up number two hundred and forty-two here. The Marshall, we're 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 pulling our minds back together. We're recovering here. We're getting it. We're holding it together pretty good, I think, <laughs> under the circumstances. Did, did we mention there were Attack of the Clones uh, Tuscan Raider dogs in this episode? <laughs> go back and go back and watch it again. Watch for the ter- <laughs> watch for the dogs from Attack of the Clones. Next episode is going to be coming out on November tenth. And I know you're going to love it. <laughs> I sense it's going to be something exciting. So so look for that on the, the 10th of November. There's some other important stuff going on the rest of this week that you should, you should take care of before we get to any of our silliness. But uh, But yeah, thank you everybody for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend.